This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Three, two, one. And welcome everybody to this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. I am your humble host, John Allen. I want to remind everybody that when you look on the description of this episode, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast platform, in that description you'll see several links where you can click in if you'd like to support the work that I am doing. And now, Brad Stobbs. Hello. Hello. This has been a long time coming. I was telling you before we went live, I've been looking forward to meeting you face-to-face for years. Yeah, yeah me too. And here we are. Here, here you we are. are. You uh, Instantly recognizable when I, well, when I pulled know, into the driveway. The, the one and only, as they right? say. And you were on the balcony good, like, <laughs> like Juliet. <laughs> come this way. <laughs> that was cute. Well, you won't get that kind of welcome in the wintertime because it's mm, cold on that mm. balcony. But as long as the weather holds, I always greet my guests from the balcony. Oh, that's there. nice. Yeah. It's uh, it's really good to have you here. I, I love meeting new people. Now, <clears throat> people look at social media very often as something negative. Yes. Let's not kid ourselves. It is oh, negative. Oh, yeah. Lots but, of lots of negativity. Lots but there's of also some beauty out there. And mm-hmm. that brings me around to wanting to meet you all these years. Uh, I think we just ran into each other on the Americans in Norway yep. group. Yep. Yeah. And uh, your your sense of humor just flows. Yeah. Your your tasteful and non mean spirited snarkiness. Mm, I just wonder flows. if everybody. <laughs> I wonder if everybody you've on Americans in Norway would agree with you on that. You've but, pissed some people off. That you yeah, have. That yeah. you have. But but past all of that, uh, you're quite the artist. Yeah. Um, especially when the pandemic got started again, uh, or when the re- pandemic. Blo- it was happened. a reflowering of your art, right? That's right. Because yeah. uh, I had done. Uh, I had done a lot of painting, very realistic, um, in the early nineties, um, started in 1990 till 1993, completely self-taught, but somehow, um, (laughs) interested enough, passionate enough about it to, um, to do quite a lot in those three years. I did, I guess, about 45 paintings, somehow managed to win best in show in the first art show I ever, I ever put a piece in let me say this looking at your your art uh, i'm not sure that it's in chronological order that the things that you've posted on your it, facebook is it? well the things i've posted recently are in chronological order okay. but that's just since the that's just since that's, the pandemic okay because i was going to say all of it is good so if that was like your art from day one you've been a, you, you've possessed genius talent well from the <laughs> yeah thank you. you you have you know i compare i compare your art if i can be free to compare your art. I compare it to Tiffany Troutman's art in the sense. Now you guys draw and paint in two totally different mediums. Tiffany and hi, hi Tiffany. I'm sure you're watching. Uh, she paints. Um, well, you paint these pastoral scenes. I've, you've also done some portrait type of things as well. Well, there's a little bit. There's been a little bit of figurative stuff, but m- yeah. but uh, my stuff is most kind of half and half landscapes and still lifes. Of uh, fewer still lifes in recent years, but it was still lifes that I really started out. Okay. Doing, so, yeah. and where did this curiosity about it come from? Uh, actually, it came from uh, <clears throat> from a couple specific artists that I got to know in American artists, especially uh, when I was in my twenties. I uh, got really interested in art history, um, 
and I'm not sure where that interest came from. I'd never yeah. taken a class, no. but I got really interested, bought, you know, bought a couple books on art history, started reading about art history, but also looking at paintings, looking at the empty walls of my apartment and thinking, well, I want to try this. Now, are you talking about American art history or just I art am, history in general? Well, art history in general, but okay. also specifically American art yeah. history. I lived in New York City at the time. I had the Metropolitan Museum, just, you know, a, a subway yeah. ride away. And I did. I went over and I hung That's out there. That's a lot there. of input right there. It's just a to lot hang of input, and you know. And and I got in. I got used to looking very closely at at paintings. Uh, you know, not just admiring them as you know as yeah. a picture, but also trying to understand how the artist did what he or she did. Um, and in a okay. museum, if you visit museums much, you know that if you're going to look at something really closely, you want to put your hands behind your back so as not to scare the docents, and you can get up right close and Hold see... Hold on, scare the who? The docents or the guards. Ah, okay. okay. Um, uh, because if you start to point at a picture in a museum, they're going to get upset really fast. So you see, put I your, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So you put your... I mean, if you're looking at it close and you bring your hand up, they're going to they're gonna say, whoa, sir, can I, see, you stand I never, back? I never would have thought about that. Yes. I probably would have caused a scene because I never would have considered that. Well, it's just, that. you know, they just they just tell you. But yeah, if you put yeah. your hands behind your back as you get up, get in close to the painting, you're usually okay. And they I can, can breathe look. out and they know that Right, right. Gonna, they know yeah. that I know what I'm doing, yeah. but I'm not going to yeah. suddenly, like, touch it because that freaks out mm -hmm. uh, guards and museums. Yeah. So anyway, close studying. So this is I was going to say, this is studying. This is beyond admiration. This is yeah. actually studying. Yeah, yeah, because I wanted to see, you know, stand yeah. back and, and it's like, okay, there is a, a, a beautiful beautiful effect happening. Yeah. How did the artist get that effect? Yeah. Um, how did that, how, why does that peach look fuzzy? How did he manage to make that peach look fuzzy? And you go in close and, um, down on the level of detail that, that a lot of casual admirers of art maybe don't, or probably don't think about. Well, so I think you were several steps beyond that. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I just wanted to figure out how yeah. this was done. And, yeah. and there is, you know, there are some secrets. I think yeah. one of the funniest secrets is just the color gray. Um, Tell me about the color gray. Well, it's actually gray that makes the that makes the peach look fuzzy. Who knew this? You know, you you draw this you draw this round peach, and then at the at the edge where it recedes away from you, if you pull out gray and back up on whatever color the peach is, right, red or yellow, right. and paint it gray, blend it in. Suddenly, the thing looks. See, and Fuzzy. when you say that, I'm like, of course it does, but oh. I never would, I, I would have just been one of those people who sit and wonder, how did they get such yeah, detail? Yeah, no, but I really course. wanted to know. Yeah. And then yeah. it is magic. You're doing it yourself, you know, me on my canvas. It's like, okay, I saw him use gray, so I'm going to try it here. And it's like, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. It was, it, isn't that the beauty of art? Besides the finished project, isn't there beauty in that journey towards developing your own personal art? Yeah, well, there. I haven't done it so much with art. You know, I, drew, I started my little cartoon uh, uh, series, but my art is mostly my music. Mm. So that whole process of exploring, you know, uh, chord changes and theoretical things and the lyrical side of it, it feels good when there's a development there. And I would imagine it's the same thing, if not more so, with drawing, painting, sculpting, that type of art. The way you describe your own music making, I think it does relate closely to my own yes. painting because I'm completely self-taught as a painter. And yeah. I don't know to what extent you're self-taught as a musician. 100% self-taught. So, right, I don't so, know. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything before I started, mm -hmm. and I still don't know a lot. I, I, It hurts me to not have a better grasp of music theory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um... As a musician, I am anything but self-taught. Oh, uh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, yeah, music you theory, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, and you do it well. Just for those who are uh, watching, listening, and you're not familiar with Brad, he is quite the musician. You are a vocalist, soloist, uh, keyboardist, mm. cello. Yeah, cello, yeah, yeah. Cello. just like uh, King Charles. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Oh, you did. <laughs> did you that. see that I, that post that, I put up again? That sense of humor. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably I don't know if it's open for everyone to see that. Uh, but, it, yeah. Uh, actually, most stuff on my own Facebook profile. Okay, I will are link open. to it. People have to see that to get a get a grasp of this man's sense of humor. He put one of the funniest memes up about uh, comparing himself to, to King Charles. Yeah, well, funny uh, stuff. Uh, it all it, it <laughs> happened on a single day just after the queen died and he became he became King Charles. Um, somebody posted a photo of him as a young man playing the cello. I was like, "What? He played the cello? I had no idea." And then, you know, not half an hour later, somebody talked about Prince Charles's paintings. I was like, so that's he, two he paints?" Yeah. And then of course I have big ears which you can't see behind uh, <laughs> under the <laughs> under the um headphones three so so there were three similarities and then of course well maybe should I should I you tell should the joke you okay tell so it. It's so I mean I'm gay and I'm married to married to a Norwegian man and um so of course the last one was that we were both married to big old queens um so, <laughs> so yeah so I love it yeah. I love it no, so yeah, so that's your sense of humor. But but back back to the and that's my sense of humor too. That's the kind of stuff I I, I like that kind of humor. Uh, but back to the back to the musical stuff. Now, you, by the time you started getting into art, you know, painting, you were already an established oh, yeah. musician. Yeah, I've been Did, a, I, I've what, been a professional musician my whole adult whole life. life yeah. My whole adult life. You had a lot of professional gigs back in New York City. I, yes, and yeah. Washington D.C. before that. In D.C., yeah. 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 As a as a I started out mostly as a singer. I was already a keyboard player, um, uh, but didn't really do that professionally much until I was in my thirties. But in my late twenties, when I graduated from college. Um, I was singing in a small professional choir at the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in D.C., um, uh, auditioned for the chorus at the Washington Opera in the Kennedy Center, and managed actually to get a tiny, tiny solo role in my oh, in wow. my first opera there. That was actually nice. that was actually really exciting. Nice, because <laughs> you know the the Opera House at the Kennedy Center was like this huge thing, yeah. and even yeah. for my one tiny line, I was given this super grand entrance by the director. I think the point of that grand entrance was just to show how wealthy, um, how wealthy the party giver in this particular scene was. I was just one of her servants. Okay. But I was, you know, uh, I was given this huge lavish entrance, really just to show how wealthy um, my boss in in that opera was. So. Opera. Yeah. Because I was going to ask, what is your focus when you're as a vocalist? Well, I think but you it know, is. It is mostly classical. Classical. Uh, but you've also set foot in the gospel realm. I correct? have, I have, yeah. yeah because um, yeah. later in later in the U.S., when I moved to New York City for 18 years, I was uh, choir director at a um, Catholic girls' high school okay. in Northern Manhattan. Okay, and um, that was mostly black and Hispanic girls. Yeah, and so I kind of stuck to spirituals, gospel, um, you know more rhythmic music, most of which I arranged myself for the girls. So that's oh, where my music cool. theory um, came, uh, in, handy. Yeah, came yeah. in handy. I would write my own sort of arrangements, you know, sticking close to the yeah. original style of the yeah. piece, usually. Um, uh, so, yeah. So as a job, that particular choir directing job was a great, great experience for me. There's something about uh, doing any kind of work. I, I worked as a teacher, doing, but doing any kind of work with kids... Uh, 
yeah, you have your you have your downfalls, and you and and you you don't always succeed, and it hurts when you see a child struggling, and you can't help them. But when you do help them, when you do bring them some kind of joy or or some new knowledge as a teacher, ah. So you've taught? Yes, yes, I have. That what? was my first job when I came here to Norway. Oh, okay. I got headhunted, and well, let me back up. <clears throat> I got headhunted and put in as the director of a. Uh, social program here in Drummond uh, at the Ungdom School, the, the high school. Uh, and it was a program to help kids and families of kids who were, you know, on the border to getting into trouble, mm. sometimes rather serious trouble. And it was my background as a police officer in the States that got me that job. Oh. Um, so that was my first job. And then that project expanded to me keeping the project, but also working as a teacher at that school. So I was a music teacher. Oh, okay. Not the same kind of music teacher that you would have been, probably more like Jack Black in School of Rock. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk myself down. I don't have that musical theory background, but I do know music mm. and I can perform it. So I started off as a music teacher and then that expanded to being an English and social studies. Oh, something's okay. Wow. Kind of teacher. And I, I just loved it. It was that contact, daily contact with the kids. They taught me Norwegian. Uh, I uh, I got that job before I could speak Norwegian. All right. And just okay. hanging out at that school, talking with the kids. Within a couple, three months, I, I could converse. Cool. So it was, it was quite the relationship. Where did uh, you have that job again? It was here in Drummond. Oh, okay. Uh, we lived here in Drummond. Uh, we, we came to Norway in 2002, and we started off in Hudum with Snoopy's parents. Then we bought a house in... Um, oh, is that where you... No, that's right. You moved from the U.S. We, 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 we married in the U.S. Okay. We had two weddings, actually. One here in uh, Norway and one in the States. But we lived in the States for about two years. Then we came to Norway in 2002. Lived at first with her parents in Hudum, and then we bought our house in Nedra Eikid. Okay. And that whole time almost... Well, it, we came in the summer of 2002, and I started working in October at the school here in Drummond. Hmm. And then uh, we moved up north in 2006 and stayed there until 2014. And that's when we came back. Okay. Yeah. I had this. And I miss it. I wish we were up north still. <laughs> so you must, yeah, you have said that. I've heard you say uh, that. And I say it constantly. And yeah. I think you speak Nynorsk also. Well, I speak a blending, uh, a mix of uh, Finnmark uh, uh, Norwegian and Nynorsk. And that's because when we were living with Snoopy's parents, her father, Samisk from Finnmark, oh, and her okay. mother, uh, Vestlanding from right. uh, Flure. Huh. So those were the two languages I heard. And then Snoopy speaks an interesting mix of that, plus the Hudum Drummond dialect. So I heard these mixes of dialects. Mm. So I got a foundation that was a mix of Nynorsk and Finnmark. Okay. And then when we moved up north, I was pure Norlanding. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so meanwhile, that's what I speak with. Meanwhile, at the now. school, the kid, you're you're speaking Bukmal with the kids, right? And, uh, eh. It was it, again. It was a, it was a mix of all of that of the Bukmal of the Finnmark of the of the Nynorsk. Mm. But uh, but again, when we moved north, I pretty much dropped all the bookmore and just ran with the, the, the Finnmark, which was easiest for me because that's what I heard most from Snoopy and from her father when I first came here. Yeah. Language, to me, language, it's, it's almost a musical thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember if I asked you a couple min uh, a few minutes back, but I was going to ask you, when you started to learn painting, did it enhance 
Did it uh, block? Did it uh, detract from your musicality? Because I have found that it's almost like I don't have enough place in my head for the arts. And I put language in there with the arts. As I would learn a a new language, I was once fluent in Spanish and Japanese. Okay. Yeah. But as I started to learn Japanese, my Spanish faded out. Mm. And then when I came here to Norway, as I started to learn Norwegian, my Japanese faded out. Okay. I just don't have room for... Yeah, I just don't have room for that. You know what? I do sympathize with that. Uh, We just bought an apartment in Gran Canaria. Ah, congratulations. uh, Thank you. What a beautiful Uh, place to have an apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, We're actually in Playa del Inglés. I'm not sure so many people would call that so beautiful, but it is right on the beach. It's Gran Canaria. Yes, it's Gran Canaria. And the the weather is great. um, uh, But because we bought this, I thought, okay, I studied some Spanish when I was a kid. Uh, what if I start to try to do that again? And yeah. I'm noticing that uh, that my old Spanish uh. is so trapped behind this thick layer of Norwegian. And okay. anytime I want, even when I'm sort of am in the thick of studying Spanish, and I want to pull up a new sentence, devise a new sentence, it's just it comes out half full of Norwegian words. It's just so like you're kind of yeah. When I was learning Norwegian, I would just all of a sudden out of the blue insert half a sentence of Spanish <laughs> in my Norwegian, and people yeah, you can kind of guess people looked at me a little funny Mm -hmm. in fact to this day i run into people that i used to work with or some of my students from back then and they think i'm you know black hispanic latino black latino because i would insert so much spanish back in those days so no so 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 as you were learning art as you were jumping into the to the painting world did that affect your musicality in any way you know i don't remember it affecting my musicality I, i would have been how old was i then um Late 20s. Yeah. Uh, that, that's right. Yeah, I was late 20s. And I was still living, when I first started painting, I was still living in Washington, D.C. And I was doing a lot of professional music making. That was yeah. professional choirs. Oh, and also a lot of piano teaching. Okay, so that okay. was a significant yeah. a significant source of income yeah. um, during that period. Um, and Instrument they, lessons are not cheap. Someone just was asking me to advise them on what they should charge for teaching mm, guitar here mm, in Norway. Mm. Uh, it's not cheap. <laughs> no, no, not cheap. Actually, I'm pretty cheap as a cello, ste- cello teacher, but I just have the one student, and uh, okay. she's like an old friend now, and I can't, I can't imagine. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. we just have fun together. Um, but yeah, but you know what? Honestly, no, I don't remember it uh, having any effect on. It probably didn't then. On my music making. Probably didn't. Yeah. Um, I noticed that there was a trade-off just this past summer. Between okay. art, what I think of as two different kinds of art, which is that, as you know, I'd been painting uh, quite a lot since yeah. the beginning of the pandemic. Quite a lot. I think I got... You've been very productive. Yeah, I think I cranked out some 40-something uh, paintings. Wow. Most of them quite small, but still, you know, one after the other. Um, but when... Here's a, here's a different kind of story, but um, when... My husband and I were, in a sense, forced to move to our house in Sweden for about six weeks, where I have been wanting to do landscaping and gardening intensely for years. Yeah. I started doing that. It was May. Yeah. Yeah. And I started doing that, and I haven't touched a um, a painting since, since early May. So, Is that because you're getting some sort of artistic expression it is yeah it is the, yeah it is yeah. i call snoopy an artist of sorts first of all she used to paint she doesn't anymore i wish she would take it up again um but uh 
and you'll see when we go into uh, the other uh, half of the house, uh, what she's done with the plants and stuff. And this has been a project, you know, as you can tell, it's getting colder here in Norway. Yeah. So she's bringing in the plants. Okay. And I see artistic, you know, she doesn't just drag in a pot and place it somewhere. I, I watch her when she does this, she'll bring it in and she'll stand there and she'll look around and she'll walk towards one end of the, the living room and then turn and walk to another and then she'll put it there and then she'll study it. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. There's well, a lot of thought and I, that's, that's a form yeah. of artistic expression, I oh, would yeah, say. Yeah. Well, I you, say. you haven't visited us in um, Oslo yet, but you'll see that, that, I've seen that pictures. Snoopy and I share that too. And that's one of the reasons why she wants to meet you. She sees that you guys have an eye that is quite similar when it comes to those kind yeah. of things. Uh, she's no kind of interior designer, but she designs the interior. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Just like I play music, but I'm not a musician. Am I a musician? I'm a musician. Yeah, you are. You don't have musician. to know music. You theory. are. Yeah. If you, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, Pavarotti, you know, well, evidently you was not particularly skilled at reading music. Prince didn't read music and didn't know the, the, the basics of music theory. See? I'm sorry, the intricacies of music theory. Of course he mm -hmm. knew the basics, mm -hmm. but uh, ah. yeah, maybe I should take cello lessons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Rick Beato. I think I've mentioned him to you, but I think I sent you a video of him. Yeah, I think you did. I'm not, I was not uh, other than the video. That is, uh, I need to just, uh, I need to just take the leap of faith and buy his, he's got a, um, it's like a 2,500 video long series of music theory from the very beginning. If you're a newborn and all the way up to the most advanced stuff. And mm. I should, I watch his YouTube videos every time he puts something out. I should just jump in and take that course of his. And yeah. Just, I just think I'd be so much better at what I do if I had that theoretical foundation. It can, you know, it can make a difference. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, it can also be a kind of a crutch, but it can also open up worlds of, um, I'm thinking essentially chord progressions that you might yeah. not have... Um, I might not have thought of. Yeah. Thought of ...have thought of, or or twists of melody that, oh, yeah, that you might yeah. not have thought could work. Yeah. I can, can tell you, yeah, I can tell you, since watching his, his stuff, just his YouTube stuff, not his courses, uh, I've developed as a songwriter. I'm doing things with chords that I never thought mm. to do before, mm -hmm. just from watching a YouTube video of his here and there. Yeah, so. yeah. But you, uh, I couldn't imagine, well, I could imagine it, but uh, that's quite the level of musicianship you get to when you start teaching. Well, uh, you mean if you, you mean from like teaching piano? Uh, or cello, piano, any instrument. When you, you get to the point where you're teaching where people, you're, you're yeah. quite, you must be quite the knowledgeable musician. Well, uh, Because not only is it theory, it's also the technique, it's also the mechanics of it. Well, one thing about teaching. me as a as a musician is that I'm so broad because I have I, I have played yeah. four instruments professionally, <clears throat> yeah. um, uh, piano and organ and singing, which you know in this that context I consider an instrument Absolutely. and cello, um, and uh, they have definitely fed into each other as mm -hmm. far as you know a total universal understanding of how music works. Um, okay. so when I'm a pianist or an organist, I have, uh, I might have a, an especially strong sense of melody because yeah. I have also played the cello and, and been a singer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, singers who work with me as an organist tend to really like to work with me because I understand that they need to breathe, that, right, that, right. um, when the phrase, you know, when the song is coming to its climax, you're going to want to stretch. Crescendo. What, that's right. All of that. So, um, <laughs> Uh, so I do think that it all feeds off each other. Sure, absolutely. 
Well, he's just an all-sided uh, fellow right here. Well, he's just uh, a lot of different kinds of music making in my life. Back to the back to the uh, painting. Um, have you ever had any kind of displays, gallery displays? Uh, um, sold anything? Uh, I have. Uh, I mentioned that I won first in show at that, yeah. or best in show at that, at that very first uh, community art show that I entered. And that was um, back in. Uh, uh, that was the back States. in New York City. New York City. Yeah. Um, I lived in the Hudson Heights, the Washington Heights part of New York City at the time, which is quite far north. And uh, there was a community. You know, just sort of a community art show. They gave, they had three shows that were that were um, judged, mm. um, and uh, I had painted a large painting of the front of the of the Catholic Girls High School where I was the choir yeah. director, and yeah. that that school was also in that neighborhood, and the painting actually came out really well. I still like it, and uh, it was also quite large, so I entered that, and they gave it best in show, but because of that award they also gave me half of a private show um at a very popular local restaurant that also had a large side room so i split right over my 30th birthday i split this show with um with another guy and had that what's that like having your art out there on display like that That was a little scary well yeah no i don't i i I wouldn't say it was, it wasn't scary for me because my stuff is so, it's honestly so representative, in a sense, so conservative. Um, uh, There's nothing terribly, particularly radical about it. But you've painted some nudes before, haven't you? I have, yeah. That's not conservative. No, that wasn't. In (laughs) fact, in fact, um, this same community art show, I think, you know, after I'd won Best in Show, um, I think I entered two different paintings that first time, and one of them won, and then the other one got an honorable mention. Um, then sometime later I, uh, delivered a painting or two to the next art show that that community, and one was a male nude and the, the gallery was run by a husband and wife team and the husband and wife got into an argument about whether this male nude, which was going to be allowed in the, in the show. And he was, he gave it a thumbs up and she gave it a thumbs down and she ended up winning. And they expressed a lot of sort of, you know, embarrassment and apologies, but, um, but lighten up, people. It's art. Yeah, yeah. So that's my answer. Yeah, and it was also. Uh, I remember then later going through because I gave I left some other painting there. I remember going through the show and saying, okay, well, you know what? Here's a female nude, and here's another female nude, and here's yet a third female nude. And okay, I'm like, so. Uh, is that strange? Of, how people? What? What? What is that thing? That human thing where we can. You know, one is okay, and the other isn't. Just yeah. because the private parts look different, right. one has breasts as opposed to having a chest. Yeah. What is, what is well, that? Uh, if you if you know a a, a long view um, picture <clears throat> of art history, uh, it switches. There's a pendulum thing that ah, goes on there. Okay. And that male nudes have been by far more common during certain periods of history, and then. And then female yeah. nudes during others, and we're definitely in an acceptance of female nudes period now. Um, uh, yeah, so that's just yeah. sort of where we are. And, yeah. yeah, I was pendulum swings. Yeah, I wasn't particularly surprised uh, or particularly upset, but it was you know still kind of embarrassing to have the, have yeah. the thing um, yeah. declined. That must be a good feeling though to do all that work. You you've got a a, a bunch of your paintings. And they're on display at this event mm. and it, focus on you, yeah, yeah. the potential to possibly make money. But for, 
regardless of the money situation, just having your work up there hanging on the wall for people to people to enjoy. That was great. Yeah. It also coincided with my 30th birthday. So um, mm-hmm. my parents who lived outside D.C. came up, you know, for it. And, um, you know, a bunch of friends yeah. uh, ended up having a kind of birthday party right there in the room that the that the okay. gallery was yeah. in. And nice. um, yeah. yeah, no, it was it was fun. I didn't sell anything out of that. I don't think that room functioned really as a gallery during the month that the that's probably important as as far as setting the mood Mm. of the display yeah i just you know i don't think it the the art was up but it wasn't really functioning as a gallery it was just a a separate room in this restaurant um yeah so so that didn't happen um but john allen um uh, almost exactly a year ago i had a show in my own apartment that i advertised that's right you did it was, sure did. it was during the pandemic, and I kept the show down to one single afternoon, yep. one single three-hour afternoon. Yeah, I remember and, that. And invited a whole bunch of people, but I invited them in shifts to keep the number. I remember that. Yeah. The number of people, you know, down. Yeah. Honestly, for for pandemic-related reasons, yeah. more than anything. Um, and. Uh, it was a really fun show for me to put together. I bet it was. Um, because I made the I made the apartment look as much like a really nice gallery as yeah. I could. Yeah. I took down lots of paintings that were already up and replaced them with my own. I took out a whole lot of the tchotchkes and small stuff just around the apartment so that it had a oh, sparer man. look. I bet um, it was gorgeous. You got a nice place there. It's a nice place and it was really it was really fun to put this mm. to put this show together and it worked well and I had like 40 pieces up 22 of which were for sale and sold 15 in that's those. beautiful i know it's just like i couldn't believe it i couldn't I, believe it snoopy and i regretted it so much she wanted to go and i was uh, had a little anxiety about the whole corona mm-hmm. thing and that's mm-hmm. why we didn't do it and yeah. actually i think i was sick at the time too recover not sick recovering from uh one of my shoulder operations oh yeah i think yeah. but i but afterwards i'm like ah we should have went uh yeah. Do it again so we can come. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, there was talk about maybe doing one, you know, this year, but it can't be an annual thing because I don't paint that quickly. I'm um, sorry, it can't be a... It can't be an annual can't thing. can't be an annual yeah. thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to have the product. That's right. It takes time. Yeah. That's right. So. But but again, you're quite prolific. You have been painting when a I'm, lot. When I'm on a, you know, when I'm really on a roll, it was, it was my main focus during the first year of the pandemic i was so into it and i kind of i kind of miss it now um there were stages that every painting went through and there was an excitement level at the beginning and an excitement level as it was nearing the end and then you know yay tomorrow i get to varnish it that was always an exciting day because the painting takes on a a special look when it's after it's varnished and then oh it's going to come back from the framer so there was all these well what's in the way of you continuing with that now nothing Uh (laughs) well you know um lack of momentum or isn't the or wasn't the pandemic a mindset thing in many ways of course there was the practicalities of people uh, uh, you know, working from home, some people losing their jobs, mm. uh, the practicalities of altered uh, friendships and social life. But a lot of it was mindset. Mm. I found that I had a new focus on my podcast during the pandemic. And it's like, why, why did this have to happen for me to focus more on my podcast? Why at the tail end of the, uh, of the pandemic in the, in the shutdown, did I start really focusing on my writing? Mm. Didn't have to, you know, it was just something, the time was right, I guess, but yeah. it seems to be a common thread 
uh, among musicians especially, but maybe artists in general, that there was a heightened period of productivity during the pandemic. Yeah, well, once in a while, like on Facebook, you see the question gets batted around. Okay, mm -hmm. so in what way was the pandemic experience actually positive for, yes. for you folks, you know? Yeah. And for me, the answer is always, my gosh, after a 25-year break, I started painting again. And um, and for me, it was honestly just because I had been telling myself for a while, okay, yeah. you know, I would like to try this again. Yeah. Um, and then when the first lockdown happened, there was no excuse not to. I had the paints. I didn't even yeah. need to go to an art store. I had paints. I had brushes. I had the paints were 30 years old, but I had them. Snoop and has they, a set from when she was like 17, 18 right? years old that she hasn't even opened yet. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think all but one of the tubes was completely usable still. Yeah. I'm still using yeah. them. You yeah. know, the, um, so I had all the stuff. And I was just like, okay, now's but, the time. But what what is it about, you know, you say you kind of use the pandemic as an excuse to get back to it. But what about the pandemic was the excuse? Well, if it put, was. If you could put words on that. Absolutely. It was that. It was that we felt mostly trapped at home. Um, I, mm -hmm. I got, I had no work. Um, okay. Even yeah. the time, you know, all of my freelance, you know, now, now as a musician in Norway, my main job my main income comes from playing funerals in Oslo. Oh, and there okay. were either literally no funerals or very few. Yep. And uh, for technical reasons, I was kind of kicked out of the, of the playing for a while. Um, okay. Yeah, very quickly because I don't play in a Norwegian church. I play in the American Lutheran Church, which is outside the system. Yeah. So um, during the pandemic, they kind of closed ranks and only used people inside the system. I see. So and that's I, always been so odd to me that the American Lutheran Church is outside of it. it it's yeah. No. No. no I it, get it. Uh, no, it makes perfect sense because does it? Uh, oh does yeah, it? yeah, because the 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 Norwegian Lutheran Church that's the old that's the old um, state church. Yeah. Just stopped being the state church ten years ago, or whatever, whatever it was, and still has close ties with the state. They're still, they're still organized under some umbrella groups, and in fact, uh, funerals in Oslo are all organized through this one central office. It's not done like it's like it's done in the states at all. Uh huh. Okay. Um, That's news to me. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And the that one central office is very closely aligned with the remnants of the Norwegian state church. Um, I see. Yeah. So, um, so there are five. Huh, this will be an interesting thing for folks to listen to on, on your podcast. But there are there are five, um, five or six. Um, sort of public cemeteries, large public cemeteries in Oslo, each of which has its own chapel. And where do the organists come from for these sort of public chapels? Well, they actually come from um, from organist positions in the larger churches. Part of that position is that you play Tuesdays at Vestra Acker or, uh, or Vestra Grovland, or you play Wednesdays at Grefsen or whatever. Okay. Um, uh, so one central office that just handles all that. That's right. Brings in the organists and everything. And just the fact that the American Lutheran Church is American and not part, not of, part the of the Norwegian system. That's right. Not that part excludes. of the system. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, you know, the Catholic Church and the Pentecostal churches and no other churches in, in, in Oslo are part of that system. It's no, just those just old those. Norwegian Lutheran churches gotcha. that are part of that system. So. <clears throat> so anyway, the answer to your question was I had no work. Right. Um, my only work for months was my work at the American Lutheran Church, yeah. which was all it was, was recording videos 
of me leading hymns and doing some incidental music for the Sunday services. Okay. Because, of course, we did Sunday services online at 11 o'clock every Sunday. Yeah. But I didn't have to, I, I didn't have to be, you know, on at 11 on Sundays no, anymore. No. I could pre-record my stuff and I did. Okay. Um, uh, so, but that was all I had to do. That was it. That was it. And so, um, so you've got this big block I of time just this then. Acres of time. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was the time. <clears throat> I don't, I, I don't want to ask, you know, I try to avoid asking any artists of any kind, whether it's a stand up comedian, musician, uh, painter, whoever, I try to avoid asking where do they get their inspiration from? But Brad, where do you get your inspiration from? <laughs> As an artist? <laughs> no, because you you have such beautiful, and, and this is me trying to step into the world of a painter, which I think is a fascinating world. Uh, you paint these these beautiful landscapes. Are these visions in your mind or are these actual places? They're always actual places. They're always yeah, actual yeah, places. They're always okay. actual places. And, um, and the goal is... The goal is to, in a sense, imitate that photograph I'm looking at as closely as possible, while also making some artistic decisions. About and you do it so out. well. There are some of these paintings that you have that they, uh, I've shown things to Snoopy, and she's had to look and double look and triple look. Okay, that's not a photograph; that's a painting. Yeah, no, there are a few that it's, have it's worked just, out really well yeah, that I'm yeah. that I'm really proud of. Yeah. Um, that's that comparison to Tiffany Troutman's art that I was going to say. She's drawn some portraits, painted some portraits that look look like a photograph and it's just fascinating that she and you can get that kind of detail in your works, your shadowing. And I mean, it's, it's, it, it fascinates me. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that was, that was the process, especially as a self-taught artist. It's yeah. like, okay, how do I get this even closer to how it really looks? How does that peach get fuzzy? Yeah. How does the peach get fuzzy <laughs> or how, you know, how, how do I make um, this, you know, the side of something round look like, look like it's receding. Um, the powers of observation that you have to possess as a as a painter, again, it fascinates me. It's just a fascinating form of expression. How, and and I wonder how do they do that? And there's yeah. no answer to that. It's 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 practice, 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 study, study, study. Probably, I, well, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and also with a uh, of course a, a a big drop of 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 uh, nat natural talent. You know, there's something in you that allows this source to be tapped. Mm -hmm. But it's yeah. time and it's study, you yeah. Know, right? Yeah, and also, uh, patience. You, you know, there's this there's this sort of energy behind it all, this sort of passion, um, uh, which which I absolutely had and have. Passion. Tell me painting. about that. Where's the pa What is this passion? Yeah. Um. I still, I still, when I when I go on vacation, I either like to go to the beach yeah. or to go to a big city and hang out in the museums and. Um, okay and look at paintings that's still one of my and when i turned 50 what did we do we spent my 50th we spent almost a week in paris for my 50th really? yeah. for my 50th birthday uh so that i could hang out in the louvre every a other day lot of and, stuff to study there yeah, that's for sure yeah so um so yeah so that's obviously it's a very it's a very personal passion it's very real you know can you would you mind a little coffee for me please yeah, sure that's a great uh, all-natural organic blend. Um, it is delicious. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm not a coffee connoisseur, but I like my coffee. And thank you so much. There you go. You can always go with the brand names, but I like looking at that weird brand name, especially if it says organic. It mm. always tastes better. Mm. I don't even know what this is. I just know it was some 
Okay. Organic. <laughs> organic. organic uh, I'm sorry. I keep saying organic. Um, uh, ecological. Ecological. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I always go for those whenever I see them. And some of them, I wonder why they disappear. They might be on the shelves at many for a month or so, and then they're gone. Oh. And it could be the best coffee I'd ever had. Yeah. It just disappears. Yeah. Strange. I'm, I'm not a coffee connoisseur like that at all. Um, I noticed that happen in, was it the, what are they, <clears throat> Dean? Is it Dean and DeLuca? Dean and DeLuca that we have here, like the... Yeah. Yeah. They were selling cinnamon candy for a while. Um, and, of course, cinnamon, cinnamon candy does not exist in Norway, and it's no. a, uh, I love it. So um, they were offering it for about three months, and then it just went away and never saw it again. What do you what do you miss? What foodstuffs or treats or whatever from the States do you miss no, here in Norway? That's that's probably the biggest one for me. Is it is, yeah. is cinnamon candy? And I always I always hoard it when I'm back in the states and bring back boxes. And I know I'm not the only person like on the <laughs> Americans in Norway person uh, 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 Facebook page who do, who does that. Yeah, yeah, there's at least one other guy who um, really loves cinnamon candy. And I yeah. honey made graham crackers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh. If I had access, if I had easy access to those here in Norway, I'd probably weigh a hundred pounds more than I <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah, you know what? I I loved graham crackers when I was in the states oh, too. Every chance I get, if someone's headed that way, and I and I catch them at the right time and ask them to bring it back, or of course, every time we go, I've got to come back with some honey. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so mean. I don't I don't share with the kids. No, no. <laughs> I do not share with the kids. Once in a while, Tron will hear me getting a, getting getting a, a hot tamale out of the box, and he's just like, it's like I don't I don't know if I can give you one because we, we you don't love care. them. We love them, but there are certain things that <laughs> right. we just will not share. Right. And the only reason you want this is because you heard me having right. one, right? And you, yeah. Don't interfere with my with the flow of my hand. No, right. And my husband you know? is a twin too, so everything is he really? always yeah. had to be fair. Ah, like, okay. Yeah, fair. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not so into fair. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest child. So I was going to ask you what brought you to Norway, but it should be a who brought you to Norway. Yeah, Trump. he did. But how did he you did. guys meet? We met, met in New York. I'm assuming? We met through Match.com in okay. in New York. Yeah. yeah. I should have been the gay poster boy of Match.com back then. <laughs> I should have. I should have. I broke up with my ex um, when I was 39 and signed up for Match. And I had so many, honestly, I just had such a good experience. I had so many good dates. and. Um, so this is almost 20 years ago. Yeah, we just the passed, online our, thing, we just the online passed thing. 19 anniversary. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. I've had 21 years with Snoopy. Okay. Uh, 22 years as a couple, 21 years married. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, That's we have girl. we have nineteen as a couple. So this is around twenty years ago. The online dating thing mm -hmm. was not that popular back then, was it? Well, uh, I can tell you that it was in New York City. Um, okay. Because yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Match. dot com is obviously a huge has been for yeah, decades. And, and maybe huge... I'm talking out my ass here. I don't know how would I know what was popular back then. I you know I was married and I wasn't really looking into the online thing, mm. but I'm just trying to remember when, when it, at least in my mind or in my ears, when I started hearing a lot about the online dating thing. And I would say it was since I've been here in Norway, maybe around 2010, 2012. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's around when I joined Facebook. Okay. Um, yeah, me too. But, yeah. but we are back in, in 2002 and match.com, at least in large uh, urban areas was already huge. Okay. And I know that because, you know, uh, what was I, a gay man about to turn 40. Yeah. And I filled out the whole um, sort of questionnaire on Match.com, and they gave me dozens and dozens of 90% matches. 
Ninety um, percent, yeah, dozens. Yeah, they're in New York. They're in New York City. <laughs> wow. So how? Wow. So how? You know, it was obviously not a fledgling. Right. If I right. could, if I could get dozens and dozens of wow. of close matches, um, and they were not wrong either, because you know I had a lot of interesting dates. I had a four month relationship with a um, with a guy who. Uh, uh, um, I don't want to sound superficial, but, um, you know, he was quite sexy, but also yeah. in a sense quite wealthy. And he had one characteristic yeah. that was, um, that really sort of turned my head, which was that he was renovating this huge historic house in the Catskills. Ah, oh, in the Catskills. Um, yeah. It's beautiful there. Yes, oh. very. So, yes. um, so we had a four month thing that, you know, completely went, went to hell. You ran out of money? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> It's not that superficial. Yeah. Not. Um, uh, so, yeah, so we broke up in, in June of 2003, and then I met Trond in August of 2003. So kind of bang, bang, bang. Um, Did you ever have any uh, – I've spoken to a lot of people on my show about this who, who, who have brought up the online dating thing. Uh, was there any point where you felt nervous or apprehensive? Because these are people who – yeah, the algorithm or whatever says you're a match, but but you don't know this person and think you know. There's stories every once in a while you hear about. You do hear, yeah. You hear you, did stories. You, did you, you have any apprehensions? I about didn't. That? I didn't, John Allen. You know what? That is just sort of not part of my personality. No, I am. Um, I'm weirdly bold about yeah. stuff like that. You can probably kind of tell from my. Yeah, but I wouldn't call it weirdly bold. I think it's admiral. Ad admiral. Admir admiral, admiral, as opposed to a general. No, it's admirable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, brain fog. Just to take a side step, brain fog after COVID. Oh my gosh, I've been. I, I don't know. I consider myself fairly smooth on the microphone, but my, the last uh, since I picked up uh, my podcast again mm. after a two month pause because of COVID, yeah. I've noticed that I am really fumbling. With my words and just in casual conversation, sometimes I just lose track. What were we talking about? Right yeah. in the middle of talking to somebody. Yeah, no, that's brain that. fog is a real thing. Yeah, I'm no, telling no. you, it's uh, you are you are my person number three who is suffering from some kind of long COVID symptoms. It's yeah. a real thing. You know, I'm sorry don't to hear let, that. Yeah, thank you, but don't don't let anybody tell you it's BS, people. That's it's a real thing. Yeah, no, I don't. I I have ne not had any impression that it was BS. Oh, it's it's uh it's rough. One close friend of mine um, has been suffering from it pretty, pretty harshly. Um, <clears throat> what kind of things are they? Uh... Uh, she has uh, uh, actually this. So now I can talk about two other friends who um, who both have e extreme sensitivity to sound and to crowds. <sighs> Crowds, how so? In the sense that they... Well, I think it's the noise that crowds produce. that, um, And just the uh, this kind of overwhelming sensations. I'm just checking off the boxes Are you? Here. That okay. whole thing with yeah. the sound. My, my daughter is uh, uh, somewhat musical. Maybe you'll meet her. It depends on how long we keep gabbing here. She might come home from school while we're here. Uh, but she's very musical, so she's always bebopping, and she'll be snapping her fingers, clapping her hands. And I got to Savannah, you, you, you got to stop. I can't, I can't take that. Okay. It's like, it sounds yeah. like a symbol inside of my yeah, head. Right. A symbol crash. And all she's yeah. doing is snapping her fingers mm -hmm. and clapping her hands. Yeah. Yep. That, that sounds like exactly the kind of, you know, I, I don't that have it at all, but, but I've heard it described before. now by several yeah. people, yeah. this kind of extreme sound sensitivity and, and sensitivity to. Well, oh, absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, for, for a number of reasons, one friend, um, she can't, she just, she can't be in groups of people yeah. or, or hasn't been until recently able to be in groups of people for long at all, if at yeah. all. 
Um, so that's me on a normal day to day, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> are I'm, you? I, I love meeting people. I love talking to people. I'm the kind of guy, <clears throat> if I have a stand up show or if I perform a concert, I'm the guy who will last for maybe five minutes afterwards talking with mm-hmm. the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then I pretty much lie in their faces and give a reason about why I have to leave. And I'm okay. out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so That's would me. you, do you, do you describe yourself primarily as an introvert? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. People wouldn't think it Yeah. with uh. the work that I do, but I am very much an introvert. Yeah. I, I, I value my privacy to the max. Mm-hmm. I value my alone time. And then when I want to be around people, who am I around? I'm around Snoopy, mm-hmm. our two kids mm-hmm. and the occasional podcast guest. Yeah. And that's my social yeah, that's my yeah. social thing. I'm oh, I very totally, happy with it. Oh, I totally get that. You do. I'm, you do I'm, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm a pretty extreme introvert myself too. Really? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we have a lot of friends, and we entertain fairly frequently. But it can be tough for me to, <laughs> you know, like accept an invitation from a friend to go to the gym or go to. Now is Troll more outgoing than he you? is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and, yeah, and absolutely, absolutely. You ever feel guilty because he wants to do something? I do I, a little bit, but we have a very open relationship. I mean, in literally all senses, uh, we have a very open relationship, and uh, so it's not communication. Uncommon. You yeah. talk, yeah, and um, he understands when you want to be alone, but you also understand if he wants both of you to go out and do something. There's a balance there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, same here, yeah. same here. But he knows, but he knows that he's always you know free to go. Sure, you know, sure. hang out with. Sure. Always. Yeah, yeah. Go out, hang out with other friends or whatever. Snoopy's not the type that wants to hang out, but she likes to have guests come here. And mm. that's where we, I don't want to say we crash because again, it's just a dialogue. It's, you know, I tell her when I'm tired or whatever, but she likes to have people come here. Uh, kind of at and the I'll, last minute unexpectedly or. Uh, sh- I'll say this. She's more open to that than I am, but I think uh. that's the Finmark in her blood. Mm. Up They're there. party people up there. I understand. Well, not, well, not even party people, but just, you know, it's, 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 it's not unusual when we're up at our place up there on Silent that somebody comes, you know, at one o'clock in the morning and just walks in. Oh yes, I've heard and, that. That's and a, you put and you put on the coffee and yeah. there's there's a social visit. Yeah, I've heard that that night. kind of thing happens, especially in the especially in the summer. I'm guessing. Yes, when, yeah. yes, and it's very charming. There's something charming about that, and there are beautiful people up there. But I'd like to just keep that tradition up mm, there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, I, I I do value my alone time very much, very much, and. I don't know. Now here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself an open therapy session, but I've noticed that uh, because I'm so much, I'm, I'm nose deep into my book, into writing now, mm-hmm. and the little socializing that I would do in the form of phone calls or, you know, just a nice little note to say hi to a friend or something, I kind of noticed that I've been not so much. I've been stiff arming a lot of yeah. people. Okay. So if you're watching Friends, I, I do love you. I'm just, I'm. I'm <laughs> working okay i'm yeah. i'm doing this writing thing yeah. do you ever feel absolutely the push and pull of that oh thing? i absolutely do i yeah. uh, you know i notice that that you know there are people i care about there are people whose whose attention yes. i i um i really well you know like enjoy and that but i good have, friends that, understand that i have a tendency not to give the same kind of attention back but but i kind of count on and maybe you do the same thing. You count on good friends understanding who you are mm. and what you need when mm. it comes to alone time and what you can handle when it comes to socializing. Mm. 
But yes, absolutely. But I but I understand that some friends might get um, irritated that I don't initiate sure. more often. Sure. I do understand sure. that. And I've, sure. I've had really just one friend, I remember, a guy I really liked. And he was sort of my best friend in Oslo <clears throat> until he moved to London. And he, you know. Norwegian guy? No, he was actually English. Okay. Um, and he kind of called me on the carpet about like just almost never initiating contact. Yeah. And he was right. He was right. You know, it's like, uh, you know, um, that is a kind of a, a introvert weakness of mine. That's a problem for, for introverts. Don't call it a weakness though, my friend. It's not a weakness. It's a character trait. Yeah. Yeah. And not a, not a negative character trait either. It's well, just who we are. Yeah. Am but, I right? Well, uh, uh, I mean, you're right. That is who we are, but you know, a good friend, um, deserves the, uh, compliment of sure of me sure. initiating contact occasionally it's a ceremonial cementing of the friendship of the mm. relationship yeah. you know, to yeah. call them and invite them over right to say yes when you are invited yeah um i've i think i've no you know when i've noticed it since covid back to covid and how it's affected our lives since covid uh now during covid i was just fine with covid i was i you know i did my thing mm -hmm. working from home no big deal no change for me, really. But I understand that when things loosened up and nothing was shut down anymore, people were kind of hungry for activity, social life, contact with people whom they haven't seen in, in months, sometimes in years. Mm. Whereas I was still the same old me, okay. introvert, yeah. still liked his alone time and all that stuff. And I think there was a heightening of tension in some friendships mm. and it's starting to settle now. People are saying, Oh yeah, well that's, that's John. That's who he is. John's not a partier. He, yeah. yeah. And I think it's just taking time for it to, because I'm not going to change. And I'm not saying in the sense of slamming my, f my fist on the table and saying, I'm not going to change. It's just that I'm, I'm 53 years old and I don't think I'm going to change. Mm. I think I'm still an introvert. Yeah. I think I probably always will be. Yeah. You, well, you know, with a personality like yours um, on social media and with the podcast and as a um, stand-up comic and as a musician, yeah. you're out there a lot. And so uh, there is a little bit of a, there's a bit of a surprise that a personality. I, I see that. A I personality do. like yours yeah. is essentially introverted. Yeah. Yeah. I do see that. But there's this thing, there's this thing in me, and you probably have it too, that artistic side that must be expressed. Mm. Um, you know, but that's why I asked you when your art is displayed and there's all these people that are looking, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel nervous? Is there any kind of imposter syndrome? Ah, yeah. Oh, there's definitely a little bit of imposter syndrome, uh, yeah. especially since I think, you know, I think like real artists who have studied, mm. um, you know, would look at my art and say, oh, that's, that's so nice. And, you know, yeah, and, yeah. um, realistic, oh, realistic art, how decorative. <laughs> yeah, how <quaint>. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, the, but this whole thing, like you say, real artists with the, with the air quotes and everything. And I, I just a few minutes ago said, yeah, well, I'm not really a musician mm. because I don't know. Yeah. Why, why do we do that to ourselves? Well, because if somebody was in my face saying, who do you think you are? You're not a musician. I'd get pretty pissed off. Yeah. But here I am saying it to myself. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get pissed off if somebody said that to me about being an artist. But well, I would no, be hurt. Be, well, 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 yeah, it would <laughs> a be, little bit. There would there would be an emotional reaction that would be less than positive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and here we sit doing these things to us, you know, 
You're the you're air quote artist. Yeah, I'm an air quote musician. But okay. it's understandable why, why we do, because neither of us is at all educated in that in that field, and neither of us are kind of in the in the actual milieu. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm certainly not in any kind of artist's milieu no. in Oslo at all. No. No. Um, so you know, I just do my thing, and, and some people like it enough yeah. to spend some money on it. So. Fortunately, well, no, you're not in this for the money. No, but I certainly liked earning it. And that is so refreshing to hear. <laughs> I kind of walked you into that. I wanted to see how how you would respond. I've had yeah. a lot of artists, musicians and whatnot, sitting on that couch. And, well, you know, I just do it for the sake of the art. And I, come on, what's wrong with getting paid for what you oh, do? Oh, nothing, nothing. I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and no, it was quite, it was, honestly, it was quite flattering. Yeah. And I also love the idea that my artworks are spread out on a couple different continents now. Isn't that cool? And and I'll never see any of them again, but other people will, and yeah. some of them will, you know, live on. And um, you know, I collect art also. I have, uh, you know, and the, and the thought of it being a conversation piece, something that you did, you created yeah. this, yeah. and it's going to stimulate conversation. Right. It's going to bring out feelings right. in people. Yeah, yeah. Or that you know, or that people just have up on their wall and you know see or all ceiling. the time, or on the ceiling, yes, <laughs> in rare circumstances. Hey, there is a yeah. purpose for it. There is a purpose for it. Sound damping. Yeah, you said it was yeah. sound damping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll get one of your paintings on my ceiling. Maybe you will. <laughs> a Sistine, if you will, Sistine Chapel. Who is that? Who is that blonde? Painting? That is Snoopy. It is Snoopy. Okay. There is a uh, artist, uh, may he rest in peace. He was a local hero, uh, Jan Bordevik. Um, I ran into him through uh, the Remy Brothers Band. I'm the lyricist for them. Mm. Very well-known band here in Drummond, actually in all of Norway. They got Album of the Year, an album that I wrote, got Album of the Year in Sweden in 2010, something like that. Wow. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. I should... Yes. So Jan Budovic, uh, great artist. He did a lot of things. Among them, um, stage um, stage banners mm -hmm. with logos and okay. artwork for bands. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, it's kind of funny uh, to me because Snoopy is so humble when it comes to things like this. People go out of their way here in Drummond, as at least some of the people I've run into, they go out of their way to say, well, I knew Jan Budovic. Okay. And they'll tell their Jan Budovic stories. Uh -huh. Snoopy was practically best friends with him. I want to say she was maybe, we'll have to ask her. I want to say she was maybe 20, 21 when mm -hmm. he painted that picture mm -hmm. of her and gave it to her. Uh, they used to hang out all the time and uh, she's just very humble and quiet about it. Well, it's, you know, it's beautiful. She looks great in it, but it's also character filled. Yes. Um, oh yeah. He, he got, you, you'll see, you'll see. Uh, he got, he got the details down. Now her hair is is not as blonde anymore. Now she's uh, she's one of those seasonal blondes where the sun hits it and mm. it's it's blonde. Mm -hmm. So now yep. she's kind of more of a, a strawberry blonde as she normally is. Yeah. But that's that's her when she was twenty one or so. Did you know? Aside here, did you know they can tell by genetic analysis whether you are predisposed to have hair that changes color in in no. uh, sun or not? No. Yeah, that was one of the many interesting things i found out when i had genetic analysis done recently by 23 and me i think that's a fascinating thing that hair your hair will change color mm. you know yeah our son um we have irish in my family going a couple generations back and our son has 
dark hair, like a very dark brown, mm-hmm. almost black. But in the summertime, it looks like somebody sprayed him with red highlights. Oh, okay. In the yeah. summertime. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to have dark brown hair, and uh, something similar happened to me when yeah. I was uh, like a teenager or a kid. Yeah. Uh, we hung out at the pool so much, out in the sun so much, that, yeah, my hair t- kind of turned red also. Yeah, Snoopy's doesn't change as much now as she's as she's uh, aging. Yes, Snoopy is aging. She had a birth- <laughs> birthday. It was yesterday, as a matter oh, of fact. Oh, okay. Uh, so it doesn't change as much in the summer, but it will get a little bit lighter. But mm. uh, when we first met, it would be quite blonde in the summer. It's fascinating. Yeah. I think she's an alien. I don't think she's human. <laughs> How long have you not had hair? I started shaving my head in... Maybe 2012, mm. just because it was thinning out, and mm. and let's just say it like it is. It's di- not so much now, but back then it was impossible to find anybody that knew how to cut black hair. Mm. So I started doing it for myself, uh, by myself for a while. Mm. There's that fumbling with words that's mm. brain fog. But I started doing it by myself, and it turned out okay. But I just got tired of mm. trying to you know hook myself up with a fade and stuff. So I just started shaving it. Okay. Been doing yeah. it since around 2012. Yeah. Were you able to find a fade here in Drammen in That's 2012? The That's the problem. Well, we, we were up north oh, then, okay. oh. so forget it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure when uh, barbers started doing black hair in Drammen, but when we first were down south here, back when we first came to Norway, there was no one to be found. Mm, so it was a, yeah. it was a problem, yeah. unfortunately. So uh, no, the bald bald look is in for me. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, it totally is. <laughs> but uh, I, I used to have long hair, if you can imagine that. Really? Yeah. Huh. Long, uh, yeah, down past my shoulders. Yeah. I've only if met you face to that. face today, but I've seen enough photos of you and this this. I'm gonna see if I can. So... I'm gonna see if I can po- find something from way back in the day. I'll post uh, it up there. See what people think. That you would be. Will not recognize me. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> Here we are. We've been talking for an hour. Have we? Good heavens. Yes, we have. Um, hold on. <laughs> and we're back. By the magic of modern technology, that was a millisecond for you guys, but it was about two minutes of <laughs> blabbering with b- between Brad and I. Um, I was going to say, uh, I absolutely adore Snoopy, but I tease her relentlessly. Mm. Uh, the latest was today. And that was true. Did you see that post about what she was? Uh, I went on Zillow. We're looking at investing back home on Zillow Homes. Yeah. And I was on her account. She's got the the broader search on there. Yes, I did see. I and did I'm like, see that post. And I, I kid you She's not, she was in literally looking at. Here's the thing: not buying a home in Mississippi, but buying property <laughs> in Mississippi, <laughs> like forty acres, fifty. I'm What's like, what, happening? What, 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 is, is, what is she thinking? What is What's she, the plan here? And she's so, she's so innocent of such things. Now you and I think immediately, a biracial couple, <laughs> black man, white woman buying property in Mississippi. Right. It's kind of touch and go about whether yeah. or not we'll be accepted yeah. there or not, yeah. right? But yeah. Snoop is is just. I mean, she's not American. Okay, yeah. of course she's she's been told mm. <laughs> things mm. but she hasn't experienced it herself yeah. and it fascinates me the culture differences there i've never been but uh, i mean i've never been 
to Mississippi. I've no, but the culture there. differences between and life experiences between me and Snoopy. Okay, sure. You know, she has. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's quite urbane and 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 knowledgeable here in Norway. Mm. But if we go back to 2002, we were freshly married. Uh, of course, we had already been together for a, a couple years before that. So she should have, I assumed, she should have kind of gotten the vibe of the South Chicago suburbs, right? Mm. And in that vibe process, I had told her, you don't want to go out for a walk when it starts getting close to dark. It's not safe. Mm. She didn't get it. She's this hillbilly from Finnmark in Hudum, and she's going to walk when she wants to. Okay. Well, let's just say the town rapist literally chased her a couple blocks down the road. She had to run into a bakery and call. She says, she runs into a bakery and she says, what's the number for the police? Not knowing that she could have just called me (laughs) on the job at the time or just called 911. Just a totally different way of thinking about how the police responded. You know how it is here in Norway. You call the police, you're going to have to wait a while before you get any kind of service. And, and and it, it just it, that it's it's a testimony to that uh, that culture divide. She didn't see the danger in walking, mm. you know, in the in the in the late afternoon, early evening. Yeah, I mean, well, that makes sense to me having, just, yeah. having lived here. Or... Just like she doesn't see the problem with looking for property in Mississippi yes. with, with the black husband. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you guys do you, do you see any of that with Trond? Any. No, Trond, is, Trond has a very international outlook and experience, yeah. and um, and I do not bump into that issue with him much at all. But also, of course, we're two guys around age sixty, so um, so you know the difference. <laughs> so between, life has happened between being you know a very muscular black guy <laughs> and uh, your blonde white wife is going to be a much greater dis- uh, difference true. than anything Trond and I will ever experience. That's so, true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. She um, she also went into uh, again not knowing the social dynamic and the, and the the criminal dynamic. Mm. Went shopping on a weekend uh, late in the evening in Chicago in a bad neighborhood, and um, she said when she got out of the 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 blazer, we had a Chevy blazer, you know, with a tire on the back and everything, yeah. and she said. A bunch of guys were looking at her, and she heard them saying something about the tire. She didn't think anything of it. So she comes back out, and they had taken the tire. Oh. Little things like that that anybody else would know. You don't, first of all, you don't go shopping in that neighborhood, especially at night. Okay. And then when you see a bunch of guys looking and pointing and talking about the tire. Okay. But that was, you know, this is in 2002, and those things just weren't happening here in Norway. Yeah, no. So... You said South Chicago. Is that? Did you read Michelle Obama's bio, biography? You know what? Shame on me. I bought that. I pre-ordered it, so I, I got it as soon as it was available, and mm. I still haven't read it. Shame on me. Well, I thought it was so good, but I was going to ask, is that where she grew up? I think it is. Yes. One second, everybody. That's Snoopy calling. Um, yeah, Michelle. She grew up in, yes, yeah. Chicago. Yeah, South mm. Chicago. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, a war zone. I guess. I, I'm not sure exactly how it was back in her day, but uh, when we were we were living in the South Suburbs, so we weren't in Chicago proper. We were in a suburb that bordered South Chicago, and we were in a very nice suburb, but that Chicago trouble has a way of leaking mm. into the surrounding areas. Oh, you should read it. You should really I need read to, it. I need to I do think, that. Because I think you'll have, a, you know, I loved it. I thought it was really just interesting, interesting you know, and she... You know, 
just her intelligence flies out. She is out. quite the person. I, I just, I just, and, and her husband as well. I think both of them are, regardless of his politics. I think I just think they're at heart good people. Yeah, you yeah. absolutely get that. Yeah, get that. Yeah, um, idea from watching them. South Chicago, though, was, uh, I, and I tell I tell people this all the time. Moving to Chicago because I'm from Ohio. Moving to Chicago was a bigger culture shock for me than it was for me to move from Chicago to Norway. Oh, I felt like I was coming home when I came to Norway. I'm from a small town. Oh. Uh, 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 read my book. Check out my book when it comes. And actually, in a couple of weeks, uh, you guys can subscribe. to. You don't mind if I plug myself? No, plug nobody, away. Nobody, nobody else is going to do it. <laughs> uh, in a couple of weeks, there'll be a subscription available to you people. If you like my voice, you'll be able to listen to me read one chapter a week to ah, you guys. cool. Starting with chapter one and going all the way until the book is finished. Now, the fun thing about that, and everybody's heard of an audio book before, but this is pre-editing. Basically, I'm writing a chapter and immediately reading it in, pre-edit. Cool. And people get to hear me. The funding, uh, the money will go towards funding the release of the edited hard copy and paperback. So I found oh, that, that sounds really cool. I found an opportunity. I would to plug absolutely that, so. uh, be interested to hear that. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm having so much fun. And here, here comes that imposter syndrome thing. I'm having so much fun. I'm, I'm really on a roll. I've gotten, well, several several chapters written up in the teens, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm on a roll, but I'm afraid I'm going to lose it, uh-huh. lose the motivation, yeah. lose the uh-huh. flow. So I'm doing this partly to motivate myself, keep myself motivated. You mm. know, I have to keep writing mm. because I promised these people this subscription. Uh-huh. So I've got to do it. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also... It's it's a good way, you know. I'm I'm self-publishing, and that costs money. Of course. So again, to fund that release, that's why the subscription. Mm. And I, I just want to have fun with it. Yeah. I want to pull people in and get them in on the process, and hopefully keep them entertained a no. little bit. So. Well, you're lucky as a writer. You're lucky that you have all of this. You, that you have your voice, and you also have all of this equipment set up to I to do that reading. Um, I'm incredibly fortunate. First of all, to have the wife that I have, but also to have this set up and be able to do the things that mm. I love. This is what I do right here at home. This mm. is my thing. Mm. Don't have to go anywhere, man. No. It's all right, right here. Listen, Snoopy is making, I, I could keep talking to you for hours and we're going to keep talking af, uh, after we stop recording this. Um, but Snoopy's getting that cappuccino ready. So yes. Gotta, cappuccino waits. We, um, chili day and drumming. I, I'm, I just want to say on the mic, and I'm going to say it a thousand times before you leave my home. I'm so glad you're here, Brad. Yeah, me too. Thanks this for is, the invitation. This, this, is, this is step one of our friendship. That's great. Before, we were just people who knew each other online. Now we're friends. Yeah. So yeah. you always have a place here. you got to bring Tron. I'd love to meet him as well. well you guys always have a place here, whether it's on my show or in my, in my kitchen drinking coffee. Well, thank you. Much love to you, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh, you know what? I have to do one thing, two okay. things, actually, before we go, and this will be quick. I do this with everybody who comes. Uh, the people that I have come on, they are people who inspire me, people who motivate me, people who I think I can learn something from, okay? So that's you. Okay, right? thanks. When, with that in mind, I'm going to say three words to you. Oh, God. And I want you to finish the sentence, okay? All right. Brad Stobbs is... <sighs> A cranky... Uh, but ultimately friendly expat 
Yeah. I think you're quite accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's good. <laughs> Maybe. We'll and again, see. your crankiness, your snarkiness, as I call it, is not mean-spirited in the slightest bit. It's You've not pissed some people off now. Uh, Let's tell the that truth. Happens, that but, happens. But I, I don't find it mean-spirited. I, I see the humor underneath all of that. Yeah. Well, and, good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Second thing I'd like to ask of you, again, uh, uh, the whole thing about you being one of these people who inspire me. Uh, uh, I'm not going to invite someone into my home and on my program if they don't inspire me, motivate me, uh, uh, bring out something, uh, in me. Okay. Along those lines, can you say something, few sentences, paragraph, say something to my viewers and listeners out there that can possibly inspire them, motivate them, help them as they're going through this thing we call life. Hmm. Well, we touched, we touched maybe 15 minutes ago on one of the sort of themes of my life um, uh, as, among other things, a very out gay man. Um, and that's this idea that, you know, fear or even to a certain extent caution has not, has not guided me through life very much, but exactly the opposite. Um, uh doing the riskier thing or taking a chance. And, um, you know, I think one, one example is the fact that I'm here at all, here in Norway at all. Yeah. Moved here at age 45 yeah. uh, to a country that, um, where English is not the first language spoken. Of course, yeah. it's really easy to get by in English here. But, um, you know, that, would, that was a risk and that was a thing that I know so many of my older friends yes. from the U.S. would never have considered actually doing. You're right, um, you're right. And it's a rare thing we've done. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, um, uh, I guess it was risky, but it never felt risky to me. It was like, it was, that was a risk that I wanted to take, you yeah. know, uh, that was a change that I it wanted to It was a natural development and, in the course of your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I have felt frustration with certain acquaintances recently, um, ah. who, who I, I see that they make choices based primarily in fear or caution. And I'm like, oh, be less cautious. Yeah. Be less fearful, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it doesn't hurt. Well, it does hurt sometimes, but not long. It, well, it can. I mean, you know, <laughs> risks, risks go sure, south sometimes, sure. but, you but know. But the benefits. Right. This is the thing. The yeah. benefits have um, uh, of having a an out there, riskier life for me have just been huge, huge. So, yeah. um, uh, so that is... That would be my recommendation. Be like Brad, in other words. Be like me. <laughs> no, but those are some good words. That is, uh, I, I th this is why I feel so good meeting more and more Americans in Norway because it gives me that reminder that we are adventurous. And when I say we, I mean humanity. We are adventurous beings mm -hmm. in our core. Mm -hmm. What an adventure we're on. Right. And you'll you especially find that adventurous spirit in, in expats. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not an easy thing we're doing, but it is certainly uh educational. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Yeah. And we develop. And life we... life altering. And um, life altering, absolutely. Well, we have so much in common, you and I. We're both artists of a sort. Scratch that of a sort. We are both artists. We are. <laughs> yeah. Imposter syndrome, go away. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and we both have uh, relationships, marriages with beautiful Norwegians. How about that? And another thing we have in common, we're both going to go in there and have some cappuccino. We are. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everybody, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being here, yeah, Brad. My pleasure. Thanks. I love you all. I want you guys to go out there and love somebody in return, be loved in return, and enjoy the process. Okay? Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs>